John Brown's body lies a moldering in the grave. John Brown's body lies a moldering in the grave. John Brown's body lies a moldering in the grave, but his soul goes marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. But his soul goes marching on. The stars above in heaven are looking kindly down. The stars above in heaven are looking kindly down. The stars above in heaven are looking kindly down on the grave of old John Brown. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His soul goes marching on. He captured Harper's Ferry with his 19 men so true. He frightened old Virginia till she trembled through and through. They hanged him for a traitor, they themselves the traitor crew. His soul goes marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His soul goes marching on. Well, he's gone to be a soldier in the army of the Lord. He's gone to be a soldier in the army of the Lord. He's gone to be a soldier in the army of the Lord. But his soul goes marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His soul goes marching on. Mine eyes had seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath is stored. He's loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is Good marching evening, on. Uh, glory, glory, Uh, and it's history today, so we are going to be yeah. doing uh, our second part. We're going to do three parts, but we realize that no one actually really cares about the specific battles in the Civil War. So we're skipping that, or, or, or speeding through that. And, and so today we're going to talk about, um, yeah, a bit of a bit of reconstruction and and how everything sort of went after. Yeah, it was over. I mean, we the the this is kind of what we've been building up to in terms of our. Uh, this series is we want to talk about the lasting effects of the civil war. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We just kind of had to talk about, you know, what caused it. Yeah. Yeah. To begin with. So now we're going to, I guess, get into its longer lasting effects. Yeah. And, and so before this all starts, of course, uh, if you like the, uh, the show, uh, please feel free to subscribe on whatever platform it's free and you can always unsubscribe also for free. Uh, if you can rate us, feel free to, to rate us. You can also find us, uh, on social media at Juno Beach Pod, on Instagram and Twitter, J-U-N-O-B-E-A-C-H-P-O-D. Si vous êtes français, uh, cette balado est en anglais, mais nous sommes bilinguels sur nos réseaux sociaux. Alors c'est sur Twitter et Instagram at J-U-N-O-B-E-A-C-H-P-O-D. 
Uh, and uh, yeah, I guess without further ado, we're gonna get into it. So I'm Malcolm. I'm Declan. And this is your Juno. So this, yeah. So so last week or last episode, I guess the first episode, we sort of talked about how it all went down uh, in the lead up to the war. So you know, we sort of get this um, increased tension and and, and violence. Uh, within these states, this fighting over whether they become slave states or whether they're going to become uh, free states, um, which, you know, leads into events such as the bloody Kansas or that senator getting beat to death on the floor of the Senate. Um, which, well, yeah, I mean, that's fucking insane. Or almost beat to death, rather. Yeah, almost beaten to death. And, I, I mean, that's a crazy story on its own, and then it only gets more insane from there, really. Yeah, because a lot of people get beat to death at this point yeah. over slavery um so yeah we sort of finished it off with the the siege of fort sumter so if you don't remember essentially a bunch of uh slave states declared independence a few of them didn't uh but most of the slave states declared independence um newly elected president lincoln promises to restore the union uh and then when a fort in north carolina fort sumter refuses to surrender to the new confederate government and army they open fire, there's a battle, uh, and the Civil War um, kicks off. So, um, you know, Jefferson Davis becomes president of the Confederacy. Yeah. Uh, they set up their capital uh, in... They, they go through, they pretty much try and speedrun the creation of the United States. Um, so they, they pretty much set up an identical like military structure. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in fairness, structure. in fairness, the Founding Fathers also speedrun the creation of the United States. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens when you have about a week to make a country. Yeah, yeah, like, it's, it's always something I find hilarious. Like, they just started fighting, and they weren't even trying to get independence. And then, at a certain point, some guy Britain, wrote a book, Britain and he was thro- like... Britain throws its hands up, and is like, fine, you know what? You think we can't do the job? Fucking figure it out yourself. Yeah. And then America's just like, oh, well, we got this guy who wrote this book. Yeah, like, some guy wrote a book, and then uh, it, independence became popular, like, halfway through the war. And so then the Founding Fathers had, like, a really short period of time to write all of these ideas, right? This is why this is the democratic systems in common, and, like, you know, the Westminster system in, in, in Britain and Canada and such are, you know, have problems but are effective because they're developed slowly over a thousand years. And in America, their democracy just crumbles at the slightest bit of pressure because, you know. Yeah, because they... You rush making a country and you don't think of hypotheticals like, hey, what if people suddenly aren't motivated to help other people and instead they just want to make money? Yeah, so I'd, I'd be kind of curious to see, I mean, obviously it would be bad, but like if the Confederacy managed to win uh, and establish itself as a state, sort of how how, how it would, you know, last. You know, obviously you already have this incredibly ineffective and unstable uh, system and add to that that you're essentially putting it in apartheid where... A very large ethnic uh, group is is being oppressed, but wait a second. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. You mean you mean apartheid states aren't stable? Do you mean wait, 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 wait? But this sort of seems like what America ended up doing, anyways. Well, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll talk about that. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that. But um, (laughs) yeah. So again, the war was about slavery and if you think it was about anything other than slavery um states rights to do what the the classic the classic line is states rights to what yeah right like oh it was about states rights states rights to what yeah 
own people. Yeah, exactly. Uh, specifically, own black people. Yeah. Um, oh, but they were Irish slaves. Cool, don't care. Um... So, uh, so I think we're gonna we're gonna start in because we just left off with the the I guess the Battle of Fort Sumter. Yeah. And three days after this, on April fifteenth, Lincoln puts out a call for a militia. So this would later go on to make up you know the Union's army. Mm-hmm. But he calls for seventy five thousand young men to the. I mean, the idea was to kill the rebels. You know, qu- to quash the rebellion. It's important to know that at this point. The Union is not necessarily fighting for the abolition of slavery. That's not where the propaganda goes. It's all about restoration of the Union. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not... It's like, hey, guys, calm down. It's not, you know, we're going to war with you. Well, and even... It's it's more like a, hey, guys, come join our country again, rather than your slave owners and yeah. we're going to take all your slaves away. Of course, the, the Emancipation Proclamation will get to it, but it's not for a long time that that happens. Um, so yeah, as a result of his call for 75,000 dudes, um, to, to stop them, uh, there are four more states, uh, secede because they think, oh, well, he's not going to let us go peacefully, so we don't want to be part of this, um, because we want to own our slaves. Uh, and and so he'll... A bit later, a bit later he calls, you know, once the scale of this is realized, he calls for an extra 43,000 volunteers. Yeah, to serve for three years. Yeah, so, and then May 24th, Union forces cross the, is it Potomac? The Potomac, yeah. Potomac. They cross the Potomac River, and this is like the, you know, Fort Sumter was, I guess, the first battle, but this is like the the big symbolic Beginning of the war. In the Civil War. This is like, they're starting to go on the offensive. Yeah, yeah. So, um, this is the point. So, yeah, Union forces occupy or retake, I guess, some Confederate land, and then uh, there's some civilian resistance. There's some guy who's friends with the Lincolns, and he gets shot by some dude when he tries to take a Confederate flag off its roof. Um, But it's not until June 10th when there's actually, like, a pitched land battle of the war uh, of 1861. It's it's a lot of... It's quite similar to um, what happened with the, the Red River Rebellion. Right. In that it was a sort of guerrilla campaign between supporters, and it wasn't like an all-out battle until much later. Yeah, yeah. Not much later. I guess that's sort of similar also to the, yeah, the Bleeding Kansas. Um, yeah. And and so, um, at a certain point also, yeah, Virginia splits up. Uh, and then you get, um, on July 21st, the Battle of Bull Run, um, which is the first Confederate victory. This is, of course, where this guy Stonewall Jackson... Yeah, uh, gets which I mean, the fact that you know Stonewall, one of the turning points in the civil rights movement for the LGBT community, you know, shares its name with a Confederate general. I will tell you, it's as pretty fucking out there, as a queer, as a degenerate, I will tell you, sad. It's just sad. You hate to see it. You hate to see it. You hate to see it. Like, can you imagine? Uh, Instead of, like, the Toronto Bathhouse Raids, it was called, like, the Toronto Rommel Bathhouse Raids or something like that. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, anyways. <laughs> Jesus. Um, and, and so, at this point, also, um, fun fact, uh, America invites Garibaldi to come and um, help out, and he says no unless you give me command of the entire Union Army, and they, they refuse. Um, but Garibaldi almost did it, and it would have been funny if he did. 
Um, yeah. And, yeah, so it goes on. There are battles. There are battles. Um, the Confederates start occupying Union territory, and the Union starts taking back Confederate territory. Um, but at this point, it's pretty clear that the Confederates just seem to have a, a natural edge in battles, like equally sized battles, uh, over the Union. Uh, and this sort of leads yeah, to... At least, yeah, in the, in the beginning of the war, they, they had a tactical advantage. Yes. In that they, they knew where they were fighting. Yeah, and, and, and so was... this sort of leads to this belief, uh, this false belief, um... Uh, that uh, and 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 quite possibly this is just because they they haven't met anybody from Michigan yet, or the thirty thousand Canadian volunteers. Um, that uh, one guy from Dixie is worth ten uh, Yankees, um, and so you know the the Confederates do sort of start winning this defensive war, and that's all they really want to do, right? It's, yeah. They don't necessarily... The, the Confederates are fighting to maintain their apartheid state. Yeah. And specifically maintain their territory. The Union... Yeah. The Union is initially in a disadvantageous position because they need to take a bunch of territory back and the Confederates just need to maintain what they have. Um, you know, the Confederate idea is always to march into Washington, but that's not a very far uh, march from, from Virginia. So, yeah. um, you, they don't actually have to go on much of an offensive, whereas the Union does. Um, but on February 6th of 1862, um, Fort Henry, Tennessee surrenders. And so, um, this is the southern fort, like, on the Tennessee River, and it, it opens up the Tennessee River to the Union. And this sort of begins, uh, this Union strategy of the Anaconda Plan, which I think uh was a pretty good idea from the um from the union which basically said like they acknowledged and partially it was because their generals were just too cautious um yeah sort of the it's, it it was a similar i guess reverse trap that Japan fell into in in World War 2 where they started out being very bold because they could only be bold and they had to win their the war with really risky decisive uh attacks based on their tactical superiority and then, as the war continued with America, they just got more and more cautious, and, and they got crushed by America's um, overwhelming, I guess, manufacturing uh, edge. Yeah. Uh, whereas, yeah. The, the idea of the Anaconda Plan was to, I guess, choke out the Confederacy. Yeah, it was, exactly. It was sort of the opposite, where the, the Union started out cautious, but then they sort of figured out, like, if we're losing our battles, what we're going to do is, because the Union had all the manufacturing capability that the Southern plantation economy did not, uh, they would basically, uh, yeah, they'd go down the Tennessee River and cut the Confederacy in half. Uh, meanwhile, they would blockade uh, from the Atlantic Ocean uh, the Confederacy and start the revolution. It's important to note that there's um, some of the, some naval history here. This was right when um, ironclad warships mm -hmm. were just starting to be used. Yeah. And overwhelmingly, it was the Union that had their hands on them when the when the split happened. And so this, you know, it put pressure on the Confederacy to start, you know, making these ironclad warships and these floating batteries and things like that, just so they could keep up. But, you know, it's kind of like air superiority. Once you've lost it, it's very hard to regain mm -hmm. your ports. Yeah. And so, yeah, the Union, this is, the American Civil War is when you get your first ironclad and ironclad battle and there was no decisive winner uh of that one 
no winner at all really. specifically because yeah i mean they they had the the armor they did not have the guns mm-hmm. so neither side could really punch through the other person's you know it's not like nowadays where you have these like huge naval guns they would just you know we're shooting like these tiny cannons at each other yeah nothing was happening yeah um and so on february 16th of 1862 uh this general ulysses s grant who also ends up being the only good president um gains his nickname unconditional surrender and here is where so union high command as I, i mentioned is sort of lazy and cautious but the people on the ground generals on the ground uh, tend to be a bit more energetic. Hot-headed. We can, we, I, I would say. Uh, they, I'm just thinking this about was the era, This was the beautiful era of America where all their generals were just fucking insane, but like in the over the top way, not in like the the cold calculating like psychopaths. Yeah. That they later got. I mean, this was when you know they all were fantastically rich from like the upper class. And they just had all these insane quirks and shit that they would, you know, they have their crazy routines. Yeah. Civil War era is when you hear about all those crazy stories about generals. Yeah, so, yeah, we get Ulysses S. Grant, and he he is named Unconditional Surrender because he's an uncompromising and brutal general in the field. And and he's not, he doesn't go as far as Sherman's going to go, but he's sort of already feared by the Confederates. And, And then... Uh, on February 22nd, yeah, Jefferson Davis is inaugurated as president of the Confederate States. Um, and on March 9th, it's, it's um, as I said, uh, the battle between the USS Monitor and the CSS Virginia. Um, so these, these ironclads, and, and no one wins. Um, and Confederate generals start dying. Um, the Mississippi River uh, start, like, falls to the Union. Uh, on and on and on um, until, yeah, so the the Confederates sort of end up on the back foot. And then in 1863, um, Lincoln, under pressure, uh, declares the Emancipation Proclamation, which uh, the... the spe- this, yeah, I mean, none of them really wanted to, right? That this, this is the crucial thing, is that it wasn't as though this was a war... Like, it, obviously, it was a war about slavery, but yeah. it wasn't as if the Union went into it in the interest of stopping slavery. No. They went into it because they had said, oh, we might consider stopping slavery. And it was an overwhelmingly popular position that um, Lincoln himself got elected on. Mm-hmm. And the Confederates threw a hissy fit. And then the Union figured, okay, we need to bring our country back together again. Yeah, and so it's it's important to note that even though Abraham Lincoln was definitely less racist than Robert E. Lee, they basically had the same idea about slavery, which was just slow abolition. Um, and, you know, Lincoln was just in power and Robert E. Lee was unwilling to see them taken away. And obviously I'm not saying that Robert E. Lee was good. I'm just saying that Lincoln wasn't necessarily this, like, he was an abolitionist, but he wasn't this abolition hero that he's sort of portrayed as by a lot of people. And I, I, I think, obviously, he still had the guts to, to see it through to the end. And he still listened to, to people who urged him to do this, this Emancipation Proclamation. Um, but he didn't start out all that radical about this. Um, but yeah, so, so the Emancipation Proclamation, uh, says that on the first day of January in the year of our Lord, 1,863, all persons held as slaves within any state or designated as part of a state 
the people whereof shall then be in rebellion against the United States shall be then thenceforward and forever free, and the executive government of the United States, including the military and naval authority thereof, will recognize and maintain the freedom of such persons, uh, and they will do no act or acts to repress such persons or any of them in any efforts they may take for their actual freedom. Written terribly, um, with the the high language of the old British, but with none of the charm. Uh, yeah. Or actual competence of the language, but it, it basically says it is, it is the it is the simulacrum of like old royal degrees, except old again royal like degrees. old royal degrees. I I feel like old royal degrees like they have that. I guess you yeah, could even say class or charm. Yeah, yeah. Um, like the this this just yeah that's a slog word salad. Through. It's like I I imagine it would be like reading Rosa Luxemburg before reading. The Communist Manifesto. <laughs> um, but yeah, so what this essentially says is that all slaves are free, even if the state is rebelling. The military will enforce the freedom of slaves. Um, and so uh, it means... So that sort of... it's It kind of kicks off more revolting and, and attempts at freedom from Confederate slaves because uh, essentially if they make it to the Union, they are forever guaranteed their freedom. So it's it's important to remember... Which, yeah, you, there were states that were... that did not join the Confederacy, but still would t- would have escaped slaves sent back to their plantations if they were found out. Well, there were also like Union the, slave states. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, and it, it, if you also remember from the the first episode of this series, there was a law passed that basically said that um, people from slave states could go into free states to capture escaped slaves. Um, and now this renders that null and void. Obviously, it wasn't really happening because they were at war, but uh, it's a sort of a symbolic, but also, you know, for those four border states, actual, like, abolition of slavery. Just full stop. Um, which is good. It's good. Um... And so, yeah, by March 3rd, uh, the Union starts conscripting people, um, you know, Grant... It, it, it begins a sort of total war at this point. Yeah. After the Emancipation Proclamation. It is a full, um, yeah, it's, it's a total war. Yeah. This is no longer just a little armed skirmish or a little rebellion. I mean, it was... An actual yeah, total war. war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, by May 18th, Grant has taken Vicksburg, uh, which lets, basically grants the Union, uh, control of all of the Mississippi River, um, which helps this anaconda plan of, of cutting them off. Um, yeah, uh, but it, it's turned into a siege, it's, it's kind of brutal. Uh, and it, it yeah, ends by it's, July 4th. It's pretty much e- each side trying to starve out the other and then take when they abandon and fall back. Yeah, and so, but... Um, it's, and then in that in that strategy, you have these massive, massive battles with, you know, thousands of dead soldiers where, you know, this era of warfare was very much out in the open. Mm-hmm. So you would assault a position and your chance of success would be purely based on how many guys you were able to take versus how many they could shoot. Yeah, so it's basically, like, I would say that the American Civil War was just about the last major war of maneuver. 
where you wouldn't really have front lines. Like, you'd have to... You'd be very cleverly moving your armies around, and it would be all about where you could put your armies. Yeah. Rather than how to move your front line. Because by World War One, they kind of expected a war maneuver, but it, it ended up being... Yeah, well, you know, we've all heard those stories about the, the French cavalry charges in World War One and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And, like, and you even... You'd even the technological advancement, even in the later parts of the Civil War, with you know the the massive machine gun emplacements that they had set up. Yeah, and you'd, you'd even see it in parts of uh, the Crimean War in in the eighteen fifties, uh, when the Second French Empire and the British Empire fought against the uh, Russia and won. Uh, sort of these this idea of an actual front line, um, but I I would say that it doesn't sort of get fully cemented in, until World War One, and this was like really the last major battle maneuver. Um, and yeah, so on the, from the first to the third of July, you get obviously the very famous Battle of Gettysburg, uh, where Robert E. Lee attempts to invade uh, the North and fails. And this is sort of what permanently it, puts the. I mean, this, it was yeah, it was there. It was the Confederate attempt to turn the tide of the war and to I guess, you know, push yeah, push as you said the front line around as this you know sort of a new concept. Mm-hmm. And it fails. He's trying to get to Washington, and so partially because partially because of some dumb luck on the Union side, and also just because of you know small things like miscommunications on the Confederate side about troop about Union troop movements. I mean, it was there were a lot of factors that led to the victory at Gettysburg. Yeah, of the Union, and um, so it's sort of it's often compared to, or I guess uh, the other way around, uh, Stalingrad is often compared to to Gettysburg as like this massive decisive battle just a, that just and just a, like an absolute meat grinder yeah that basically like, decides as the insensitive as that is as a way to put it that is what these kinds of battles were yeah i mean it was thousands of men charging at a position versus thousands of men either they get cut down by the rifle fire and if they make it then it's you know brutal and bloody hand-to-hand combat i mean it's not like nowadays where you push a couple buttons and you have a missile sent from or even you know, you're a couple thousand feet up shooting your assault rifle at somebody you can't even see yeah um but yeah like it's uh you know obviously you know stalingrad is a bit different because the soviet union would have won even if they'd lost stalingrad but this was uh the decisive battle like who won this battle sort of decides who won the war uh and the union won and they obviously didn't realize it at the time but um it's sort of yeah so yeah and then the, it's it's a bad it's a bad stretch for the confederacy because by the 3rd of july they've lost gettysburg and their invasion of the north has failed and then on the july 4th uh as i mentioned grant takes vicksburg uh which the, so the mississippi river falls uh to um uh to the to the union as lee is retreating to virginia um and so, uh, riots start in New York City over the draft. So basically, New York turns into Quebec. Start sort of pursuing the the Confederacy. Um, yeah, I mean, it, th- at this stage, it is yeah, like I said before, all out war, and it's not it's not as though you're going to reach a peaceful resolution with both the Confederacy and the Union um, coexisting. Yeah. Um, Confederacy starts doing war crimes in Kansas. Uh... And, I mean, there's... Look, 
there are a lot of people who are far more interested in the specifics of the civil war itself mm-hmm. and talking about you know each battle but gettysburg really is the the key point here that i guess caused the union to try to extinguish the confederacy yeah partially because i guess they realized that yes this is a war of extinction mm-hmm. yeah and that we're kind of fighting for you know not having slavery rather than just oh we're trying to make them stop you know the armed conflict and we're trying to make them settle this in the courts or whatever Mm -hmm. at that point it was kind of understood by both sides that no this was going to be a very bloody war and it would come down to who was willing to throw more manpower at the other side yeah yeah um in 1864 there's actually uh a naval battle where a union ship sinks a confederate ship off of the coast of france um which is just not particularly important but a, a fun fact it's it's like the the spider-man meme where they're both pointing at each other yeah <laughs> they're both chilling in the french port yeah. off of Cherbourg. um yeah and so yeah uh in september 1st of 1864 uh general sherman occupies atlanta georgia uh March to the sea, right? Um, yeah. It Atlanta doesn't do so well uh, under Sherman. I mean, obviously there are all the memes about Sherman and how he burned everything to the ground, uh, and it's true he did. Um, and I mean, was it a war crime? Kind of. Was it somewhat justified? They're fighting for slavery. They're fighting for slavery. <laughs> like, and every white person in that city, or most of them at least, are complicit in that. And also, when your strategy and the only way you're going to win is by destroying their supply lines, you know, it's sort of like the firebombing of Dresden, right? Like, it's yeah. terrible. It's awful. But if that's the only way you're going to win is by running them out of supply and destroying their infrastructure, that's the way you have to win uh, in a war of survival like that. Um... And so, uh, by the end of, uh, 1864, Nashville has fallen, um, you know, North Carolina sort of ends up falling in 1865, uh, you know, South Carolina is largely evacuated by February of 1865, um, and Lincoln gets inaugurated for a second term, um, as most wartime presidents do, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, on May 10th of 1865, Jefferson Davis is captured uh, in Georgia. Um, and on May 12th, uh, the final battle of the Civil War takes place uh, at Palmetto Ranch in Texas, obviously. And the Confederates actually win. Um, I mean, it, it's kind of like, um, what was it? Is it the Battle of Detroit in 1812? Where the Americans actually managed to No, win? that was uh, I mean, New at- Orleans. Oh yeah, it but was that was actually even the after the peace win. deal uh, was signed, yeah. and so yeah, exactly. So it was after the peace treaty was signed, and it was an American victory. Yeah, um, but the word had not reached either commander. Yeah, so like it was an accident. Like it, it was basically, honestly, dumb luck that the Americans won that one. They really shouldn't have. Um, but yeah, they uh, they they won basically the only land battle of the war that the Americans ended up winning. Uh, they won after the peace treaty was signed. Um, and so, yeah, on May 26th, uh, this guy, 
Simone Bolivar Buckner, not the cool Simone Bolivar, but just some Simone Bolivar Buckner guy, um, surrenders the last uh, uh, Confederate army, and the Civil War officially ends. Um, so, basically, over the course of four years, uh, hundreds of thousands of people died for the right to own people. Nice. Yeah. Great. You know, that just puts so much of my faith in humanity. It just restores so much. Yeah. Um, that said, a lot of people also died for the abolition of slavery. So, I mean, I guess you could say that's a good thing, too. Um, so, the war ends. Lincoln is shot soon after. Um, yeah. And he had started, though, this period of what is called Reconstruction, or this idea of sort of rebuilding... Um, I mean, it was it was sort of like extending the olive branch to the Confederate States. I mean, like, okay, you guys have given up, um, agree to these terms, and you guys can be let back into the the cool kids crew. Somewhat, yeah. I mean, yeah, a lot of people, a lot of Southerners saw it as too much. Like a lot of uh, uh, Southerners saw it as like all these radical Republicans trying to institute black supremacy or whatever. Um, which I mean hilarious yeah you know what new africa let's go um but uh it wasn't i mean unfortunately reconstruction ended up being a lot tamer than it probably should have been uh and i i well yeah because because these are liberals remember these are not actual radicals some of them are radicals you know once we get to ulysses s grant you'll see some radicals but uh i think it's sort of hampered by uh, the first president um, afterwards, this this uh, Johnson guy. Um, so, uh, yeah, like, even Lincoln sort of both sides it. Uh, on April 11th, 1865, he's talking about reconstruction in Louisiana, and he says that some uh, African Americans, the very intelligent and those who fought in the Union Army, should vote. Well, that's just great. So, yeah, not universal right. suffrage. But if you pass an IQ test... Incrementalism has been around longer than any other ideology in, in the United States. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, obviously, yeah, it's, it's better, but it's not, uh, it's not great. Um, it's, not, it's not an absolute victory or anything. Yeah, and so a lot of Republicans were convinced that you basically have to have equal rights for, for former slaves in order to readmit the South into the Union. Um, but yeah... Lincoln doesn't think so. So that's his last speech. No. His last speech is basically saying, I actually don't believe in universal suffrage. Uh, yeah, they can have a little rights as a treat. Yeah. So Lincoln is assassinated in 1865. Um, and, and Andrew Johnson. Yeah, this Andrew Johnson guy, he sucks. He gives a pardon to all Southern whites, uh, except for leaders, like Confederate leaders and wealthy planters, but then like individually pardons all of those people. Um, yeah. So, and then he, yeah, and he gives them their property back, except for slaves. Basically, um, yeah. So, well, you can keep your plantation, but you just have to use someone else to do it. So, I guess just... You have to you have to pay them. Pay them, you know, I guess I shouldn't say slave and, wages. And, yeah, I mean, the, but. obviously, the, um, the plantation owners, you know, aren't really hurt by this. Because all they do is just make them... You know, now that they're free, oh, well, it's the free market, which means that the laborer can contract himself to the capitalist. 
And so they coerce, you know, because what other fucking yeah, opportunities yeah, yeah. are there? They coerce their former slaves into signing labor contracts. Yeah. yeah. And that's actually, um, you know, very often you'd find that happening with especially like household slaves with very rich people. Um, yeah. So that's where a, a lot of people had an issue with Aunt Jemima specifically because that sort of like aunt or uncle uh, terminology was used very often by uh, wealthy white people to refer to former household slaves who had been coerced into contracted out essentially yeah I mean slavery. labor contracted labor where they they're there because they have no choice mm. but you know they're tech they're not legally owned by these people yeah. so it's not a legal issue anymore. Yeah. So if you're left-wing, you probably should have watched Deadwood by now. And if you remember Hearst from Deadwood, you know, he had his Aunt Lou. And that's very obviously, yeah, former slave. Um, Lincoln also has this idea of using an American colony in Africa to send all former slaves there. That never really comes uh, to fruition. But in any case, Andrew Johnson is not friendly uh, to these ideas of, like, proper, you know, reconstruction and, um, you know, equal rights. Um... And so, uh, um, I mean, he, he was like the, you know, as, as much of a cop out as it is to compare this to modern day, he was sort of the Biden. Yeah. Johnson. Well, was. but he even, I mean, he was, he was, he was prepared to, you know, move in the right direction, but he did not, you know, it says here that. African Americans strongly resisted the implementation of these measures, and they seriously undermined Northern support for Johnson's policies because a vast majority of people thought that they were not anywhere near enough. He literally supported states' rights. Like states. it says, we're reading. We got the Britannica here as our source, and yeah. he says, like, apart from the requirement that they abolish slavery, repudiate secession, and abrogate the Confederate debt, these governments were granted a free hand in managing their affairs. They responded by enacting the Black Codes laws that required African-Americans to sign yearly labor contract, and in other ways sought to limit the freedmen's economic options and reestablish plantation discipline. And yeah, this is what they were uh, resisting. So he basically said, well, y you can do slavery. You just can't call it that. Yeah, you can't call it slavery. You have to pay them, you know, something. And you have to give them contracts. You know, like, it would they, be pretty easy, in my opinion, to line all the Confederate leaders up against the wall, or at least put them in prison, replace them with, you know, black people, or sympathetic northerners, or sympathetic southerners, uh, and get rid of your plantations. Like, you're not going to have much of a rest of populace apart from the people at the top, because they just fought a war about this, and they were all starving. Yeah. So... You know, it, they had essentially a free hand to reform the United States based on these initial, uh, uh, you know, ideas that the founding fathers held and never acted on of like liberty and and justice and freedom for all. It's it, it's like it's like you know when Obama had the supermajority and didn't do shit with and it. Didn't do his health care. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like except to a far far greater extent. Like they had this fantastic opportunity to actually make America a beacon of liberty, and they gave it up. And ever since then, like, ever since then, uh, there has been hardly any progress, very little progress, um, in, in, uh, apart from maybe the Civil Rights Act in sort of ameliorating or emancipating, uh, 
black people and, and, and yeah, ameliorating the conditions uh, which they live in in America because all that's happening is uh, the oppression is being hidden, right? Like, yeah. it, it's being it's being you know hidden and oh well you know we're we're lifting them out of slavery we're giving them you know jobs these labor contracts yeah um and so you know obviously uh um johnson's not very popular and so you get these radical republicans who are really cool uh and so you get this guy thaddeus stevens from pennsylvania and charles sumner from massachusetts and they basically call for the establishment of new southern governments uh, which uh, have to be based on equality before the law and universal male suffrage. Would it be nice if they let women in there? Yes, of course. Of course it would. But the fact of the matter is that they wanted uh, black people, all black people, to be able to vote. Well, I guess except for women. Um, <laughs> there's always a catch. Um, yeah. But still, like this universal male suffrage was huge, and... and so, um, again, they binded it. They binded it because it says down. right here, the yeah. more numerous moderate Republicans hope to work with Johnson while modifying his program. Basically, they have this person at the top and everyone's like, wow, this guy sucks. He's a racist. He doesn't want to fix anything, but we'll work with him and we'll make his platform better. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, they were, they were rat, like, they were Civil War era rat libs. Yeah. Because they're, they're trying to push him left. Yeah. So, in the end, though, Congress refuses to seat representatives and senators elected in the southern states. Um, and in 1866, they passed the Freedmen's Bureau and Civil Rights Bills. Um, and so, the first extends the life of an agency Congress had, uh, which was going to oversee the, uh, from 1865, to oversee the transition from slavery uh, into freedom, and the Civil Rights Bill defined all persons born in the United States uh, as national citizens who were to enjoy equality before the law. Obviously, uh, this is a problem for more recent uh, slaves brought over from Africa, but ever since Britain basically threatened to go war to war with any state that shipped slaves over the Atlantic, um, and they did, they proved it when they went to war with Brazil over it, um, which was so based, it's so based, uh, they uh, sort of stopped... Uh, that's where you sort of get this chattel slavery. They stopped bringing slaves over. But but nonetheless, African-Americans still were coming into America. Um, and, you know, when you get these newly acquired Mexican territories, you know, Latino people are, are still coming into America uh, and, and being treated as, as less than human. Um, and so uh, the problem is Congress passes these bills and then Johnson rejects them. Uh and and so there's a, essentially just Congress and, and the president permanently break. Um, and so... Uh, I mean, it's... Yeah, yeah. It's fucking insane. It's awful. Um, and, but after that, Congress approves the 14th Amendment, which uh, puts the principle of birthright citizenship into the Constitution uh, and, and forbids states uh, of depriving any citizen of, of equal protection... Uh, of the laws. Obviously, right now, uh, we are seeing huge, huge uh, uh, violation, I guess, of the 14th Amendment in terms of policing. Um, yeah. And and so, but, yeah, I mean, it says here that a lot of people think that 
apart from the Bill of Rights, uh, this 14th Amendment was the most important addition to the Constitution. Um, and, you know, traditionally, uh, citizens' rights were determined by the state, and now they're being determined by the federal government. Um, uh, so, so we did kind of... I we did kind of skip over one sort of important thing and something that really, you know, genuinely ties all this to the modern day. Yeah. The 13th amendment. And that is, yeah. The specific constitutional amendment that outlawed slavery. Kind of. And yeah, kind of. So you would think, you know, after fighting the war, they would outlaw slavery and, 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 you know, indentured servitude and involuntary servitude and all these, you know, the, the process, they would outlaw the process of legally owning a person. Mm -hmm. And they did. So the specific wording is, here we go. Neither slavery nor involuntary neither, servitude. Yeah, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude. Except. Except as punishment for a crime, whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. So what that means is you can be sentenced to slavery for a crime. Yeah. As long as you were, as long as you were duly convicted. So do you remember in California, when they're having all those wildfires, and you kept seeing all those like firefighters in shackles? Those were slaves. Those were prisoners. Yeah. That were. And it is a so it is a uniquely American thing. Yes. Yeah, specifically wow. because I mean, well, prison labor no, is no, not no, uniquely I'm, American. I'm, yeah, but I'm saying it, the system is such in the United yeah, States. Yeah, constitutional prison there are pr I'm just saying, like... There are privately owned... And there, the fact that there are privately owned but and publicly traded, like, on the stock market... Oh! Privately owned and publicly shit. traded prisons. Did you see how much prison stocks went up when Kamala it, Harris got in? They went up, like, 10%. Yeah. First of all, the fact that there are prison stocks in America is horrifying, but, yeah, second of all, the second Kamala Harris got announced as VP, prison stocks went up by 10%. But yeah, anyways, yeah. so what America did is essentially abolish slavery and then say, well, actually, you can be slave if you're a criminal and then uh, arbitrarily uh, arrest and put in prison uh, the very same minority group uh, for, you know, and, and, and... That hundreds of thousands of people died to ostensibly... To free. To and, free you know, many, most of these Union soldiers, like, if you listen to the songs they sung and stuff, genuinely believed... And emancipation and like equal rights. Yeah, it was. They were compared to the politicians running the show. The actual soldiers on the ground were far more radical than they yeah. were. Yeah, um, which tends to happen. You know, if you look at, you know, Democratic politics. If you look at Republican politics, it happens. Um, but the uh, it's because when you're part of the establishment, you become resistant to change, whereas people change all the time. Um, so. Uh, Essentially, and, and that's sort of, especially once you sort of see Jim Crow start to be implemented, um, and and people see the profit uh, in, in prison labor, you, you do sort of see this sort of, yeah, return to what is slavery. Like, you, you start getting these laws that are specifically targeting minorities, like your, you know, super yeah. predator stuff that the Clintons did, or even, like, your marijuana, when you're, like, making marijuana illegal, that's just a justification every time for a cop to search someone's car um yeah and convict them and find and you know arrest them for something mm -hmm. or even you start getting um stuff like what kamala harris was doing where yes you you fight to maintain prison labor but also you have things like the three strike rule where you can be convicted of a felony 
uh, if you have committed three non-felonies, or, uh, you know, you end cash bail, which basically means that poor people have far less, or you, you keep cash bail, sorry, which means that, that poor people have far less um, access to a fair trial. And, of course, when your economic systems are such, again, also as a result of slavery and Jim Crow, uh, that, um, that, that people of color are, are far more likely disproportionately impoverished through no fault of their own through these, you know, uh, apartheid capitalist systems, uh, you're essentially re-legalizing slavery. And is it a far yeah. lower percentage of the population that is under this slavery? Yes. Is it chattel slavery? No. Not, not I guess, technically. Uh, although one could definitely make the argument about recidivism and, and passing, um, you know, uh, familial uh, recidivism even, like, you know, parent-to-child you know, prison sentences and stuff like that. Um, but, like, when you have slavery uh, as a punishment for a crime and then you set up a police state and disproportionately target minorities, that's very, that is obviously de jure different, but de facto, you're living in a slave state. Like, yeah. America is I mean, yeah, and, and the, the thing is, it's like, there's common things that people just associate with prison labor. I mean, fucking li printing license plates mm -hmm. is, like, such a classic, like, oh, you know, the prisoners do that. Yeah. When it's like, this is you know, something that, say, or with, um, a lot of, like, a lot of made-in-the-U.S. clothes are made using prison yeah. labor. And, you know, there are genuinely, like, I, I see it in Canada, like, there are genuinely, if you offer prisoners jobs, that's different, that's rehab. So I've seen, like, all these cool, like, restaurants that are run by prisoners. Um, or, you know, you give them education, and then, you know, like, you give them training, and then you actually send them out unsupervised like, work outside the prison. That's not quite what's happening in America, where you have no, chain gangs... No, it's not at all what's happening in America. ...breaking rocks uh, and fighting fires against their will. Uh, it's not, you know, optional rehab. It is uh, cheap labor. It's slavery. Um, and But, yeah, so... The 13th Amendment happens. At a certain point, yes, you get into uh, what is called radical reconstruction. Um, where you get your Reconstruction Acts. Of, so so Johnson is rejected. Um, his policies are, are rejected in the 1866 midterm elections. Um, and so the uh, um, Congress essentially decides to try again with Reconstruction. Uh, and so they, they occupy the South into five now different military districts, um, they're going to be, their new governments are going to be based on manhood suffrage without regard to race. Um, and so before it was called uh, presidential reconstruction, and it wasn't much reconstruction at all, and now it's called radical or congressional reconstruction. And, and so it goes until the end of the last Southern Republican governments in 1877. Um, and so uh, um, by 1870, all of the former Confederate states are readmitted into the Union and most were controlled by the Republican Party. Um, so you get carpetbaggers, uh, a.k.a. people from the North who come go to the South uh, in order to influence Southern policy. Um, so, you know, former soldiers, teachers, uh, Freedmen's Bureau agents, and, and business people. Um, you have what are called scalawags, 
which are native-born white Republicans, uh, some businessmen, some planters, but most non-slaveholding farmers um, from from southern country, um, and even who ended up being loyal to the Union during the Civil War, um, and but mostly you have African Americans, um, and and so this is where you start getting these plantation owners fighting back um, because, you know, this black, new black political leadership is trying to get rid of, you know, your racial caste systems and, you know, you're, they're trying to get reparations, which are obviously still uh, a debate today. You know, who was it that called for reparations in the Democratic primaries? What, Marianne, Bernie, and Tulsi, right? Yeah. And... Now, it's not even a platform of either party. No, I mean, it's uh, be, it's because there's this widespread belief that there's no racism left in America, that Obama got rid of the last bit of racism. Like, it's literally been over 150 years, and that we there's, there haven't yeah. been reparations. Um, which is just horrifying. It's horrifying. Yeah. Um, you know, like... The type of political debates in Canada we get are like, uh, where should our reparations to not, indigenous we, people go? And then you get your racist saying, yeah. like, well, I don't want to pay more reparations. We've already paid enough reparations. Uh, whereas in America, it's like, hmm, should we give black we, people... Should we start? Should we start? I don't think, guys, like... Yeah. Like, it was so long ago, and it's so much extra money. You know, never mind the fact that they're spending $680 billion a year. On defense, yeah. On defense. Yeah. Um, So you basically get now, um, apart from, you know, like you're getting this uh, um, non-presidential sort of ground-up reconstruction that's happening in these communities. So even like uh, um, the black people hope, you know, it's your 40 acres and a mule. Black people hope that... uh, federal government's going to provide them with land um, because William Sherman, the guy who, you know, burned down Atlanta, uh, his field order number 15 uh, of January 1865 set aside a very large um, area uh, along the coast of South Carolina and Georgia for exclusive settlement of black families, um, which was confirmed by the Freedmen's Bureau Act uh, in March, um, which basically authorizes the Bureau to rent and, and, and sell land in its possession to, to slaves. Um, and then this Johnson guy comes back. I don't know why Lincoln picked him as his vice president. Jesus Christ. In 1865, and he basically orders land to be returned to the plantation owners. Uh, and so, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, with the logic that th- it was theirs before, why should we punish them for something that's already yeah. over? And so, um, essentially... Slaves are not offered the opportunity to build up their own wealth separate from white wealth, which is what they'd wanted, or even just, like, integrate themselves. What they have to do is, because they don't have land and they don't have money, 